Okay. Um, okay, so Adam, first and foremost, uh, I enjoy your videos that you do on Facebook Live. You're doing a, a phenomenal job uh, promoting the Rick and the Yellow Vest movement. Um, and it's fair to say that, uh, I mean, you're a lot like myself and GM. Because I think we're all shooting for the same thing here. You know, we we want politics. Uh, we want politics to re to remain where it should have belonged a long time ago, and that's with the with the citizens and the people. And uh, I and I guess that's what's what's going on in France right now uh, with the yellow vest. And and before we start getting into that, GM, thank you for uh, for joining in on the conversation as always. Um, oh, sure, and. Uh yeah, myself, uh, you know, when it comes to my little involvement with the Yellow Vest movement, I mean, I the one thing, the only thing I got involved with the Yellow Vest movement, the moment I heard about it, I was enthusiastic about certain aspects of it that were anti-capitalist, that really, where, where it seemed like, I mean, there were many different reasons why different Yellow Vest people seemed to be doing it, but there were some of them resonated so well with me and I thought they really hit at the core of what was the problem. And so what I did is I started sharing the heck out of uh, Yellow Vest. Uh, whenever they had the protest, I stayed up late just so I could share their videos on all my different yeah. groups. Because I wanted to help them to get, a, you know, even worldwide support. And so yeah. then I, I, I myself made two groups. I mean, I made one page and one group, and one page is called uh, you know, Yellow Vest, uh, Worldwide Egalitarians. The other one's called San Francisco Yellow Vests or, or Yellow Vest San Francisco or something like that. And those are the two group and the group and page I started. And I started off, you know, I, I, I started my political stuff with my uh, with the group that I first started. It was just called uh, World Community Action League was sort of the, the, the sort of the radical group that I had that, that was really trying to be more focused about political matters, and um, and I guess it's something I observed because I grew when I grew up I, I grew up seeing the hippie movement fail a little bit, but also fail a little. You there? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. we're still here, and you're doing a great job of that, uh, GM, for sure. Now, Adam, I know that you have uh, something going on on Facebook called the uh, Yellow Vest. Is it the Yellow Vest TV? Yeah, a bunch of different groups at this point. Um, my, the biggest project I've been doing is just like Yellow Vest TV, you know, and the, kind of the same reason that like GM was talking about, to just like pull all the videos through. Because like, you know, most people who know about the Yellow Vest, you know, they're aware that it's never on TV, it's never on the news, no one tells you anything about it. So uh, same kind of goal, trying to get everyone like the attention and recognition. Um you know, and for me, like, I started out more doing, like, activism through, like, Anonymous, um, and, you know, we saw Occupy kind of go after a lot of really good goals, and the same thing, you know, it didn't kind of, I don't want to say fizzled out, because it's like, I have so much respect for those guys, but, uh, you know, it's the same thing, we didn't go all the way, um, so, like, when I saw the Yellow Vest, like, in France, it's like, it they're going all the way. It's like all or nothing, like fix everything. Um, so to me, like seeing that come over here has been great because it's like pulling people from so many different places all together to like fix everything. 
And going back to the Occupy movement, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really a fan of protesting uh, because of all the protests in the past. But you know what? When I really uh, come to the realizations that each protest that comes and goes actually plants a seed for the next one, and the next one becomes even bigger. And I think yeah. it's and I, and I, and I again I, I'm like you, Adam, and I'm and like GM. I respect, you know, the the hippies from the '60s. You know, they taught us yeah. a lot of things. The Occupy movement was really really huge because of the results of the financial crash of 2008. And now this yellow vest, which is something that uh, you know obviously all three of us support. And I know that you and Robert Walton, another uh, yellow vester and and Rick supporter and direct democracy supporter. Uh, you both, Robert Walton's actually still there as as we speak. But you guys, you guys were there in France protesting with the French people, were you not? Yeah, so uh, we were there in the same place the first week I was there, and then uh, I kind of parted ways. Uh, he stayed around Paris, and I went to the south and uh, spent like two and a half weeks with the uh, the medics down there. Um, we kind of followed uh, one of the uh, the Yellow Alliance Party, which was like normal people uh, trying to get the Rick, uh, in, you know, at least some attention. But they were hoping to actually get in and be able to use it. Um, so we followed them for about a week. Um, Robert stayed with them. A lot of those guys were uh, like admins on the Gilets Jean of the World Group um, that I'd been kind of talking to for several months um, before we went over there. Um, so yeah, Robert's still over there. Um, I'm actually excited to see what his, vi his videos from tomorrow. So he was live earlier. Yeah, I've, uh, he he he'll he'll post them from various sites to site. I, I try to share as much as I can if if I if I yeah. catch them. So uh, now Robert was telling me about this Yellow Vest uh, Alliance. Um, so essentially, it's a, just a bunch of people that uh, I guess leaders of each uh, areas. So the way the elections work over there, like you don't vote on a person, you get to, like you just vote for a party and each party has like a list of like 79 people, which is like one person for each part of France. And this election, there was like 33 of them. And there was one group of uh, yellow investors that were really trying to, uh, Put like regular people into the into there, um, and not politicians, so they could use the rip to make decisions that way. Um, and that was it was actually funny because like Robert and I like both agreed on like no politicians, like the rip, everything needs to change. But uh, you know, I we had a little bit of a split opinion on that because I was kind of of like the school of thought. You might as well try it, you know, even if it doesn't work, it's just going to show people how rigged the system is. But uh, his stance was that they should just like walk away before it's over, and that that would be a more powerful message to say we're not going to participate in this at all. Um, but I loved being there with Robert. It was cool. Like we both had different like views on how to get to the same place, and we were able to just like experience it like firsthand. And uh, it was the sa kind of the same thing over there too. You know, everybody had different opinions, and we're just trying to you know figure out what's the right way to get to the same thing. You know, the Rick. Everybody wanted the Rick. They can all agree on that. I think sometimes when people take different approaches, if, if somebody really feels that something has to be exhausted to, to, to know for sure that they, that, that 
avenue is closed. It does help yeah. bring everybody together then. Because it's like, like we were talking about uh, direct democracy in the United States, and we were talking about how certain places, you know, there were people that know that, that certain places actually have laws in place that actually provide for uh, having uh, a citizen's initiative referendum, but that actually, once put to the test, you, you can see that it's rigged, and once people put it to the test, then they can say, okay, guys, uh, I'm on board with you. I can see this is going nowhere, and then it pulls us back together again. So I, th I think we're going to find a lot of things are going to happen like that. Oh, yeah, and Robert was great, too, because he lives in one of the states that uh, actually can do the rick, and he was saying how they've done, like, four, and it was all overturned by the... Uh, the state government they did the opposite of what the people wanted so uh he's been like a great a great person to have met through all this because he has the experience of like we've done it and it still didn't work and yeah, he exactly. has uh, his virtual film war thing which is like kind of like a trial to see if that works better i i think his stance was like let's just ignore them and we'll make the decisions ourselves and just do what we want oh by the way, Adam, uh, uh, it's it's good that you brought that up, the virtual uh, film war. And what that is, is, uh, GM, we talked about this, and I mentioned that the only way that, and I'm going to get back to the Yellow Vest Alliance for a second because I want to make a point about that. Um, I, I've been talking about um, a parallel government, and essentially yeah. uh, this is what Deb De La Piana has been uh, advocating for. Um, is to change the system outside the system because we can't do it internally. But the problem is, is that we need more people to, to jump aboard. A, a I mean, at least 50% of the population um, to essentially say, like, you know what, forget about Congress, forget about uh, Parliament Hill here in Canada. We're not going to abide by your rules. And that's what virtual Fillmore in Utah is trying to do. They're trying to set up a system outside of the current system to essentially run parallel with it. That's what virtual film I've is. A lot of, I've seen actually quite a few people starting to come to that same conclusion, too, from, like, in different ways. It really is kind of like once things or everything else is exhausted, it seems like that's kind of where everybody ends up, like, we need to just do our own thing. Yeah, that's, and you need to, and we have to build in a way where we're actually able to uh, deal with confrontation from the system, if, if, if it so be, you know, I mean, Eventually, we have to have our own arms. Eventually, we have to have our own way of enforcing laws outside of the mainstream law system. You know, we've, 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 all those things have to be, we really have to have real power outside of the system. Not just symbolic power. No, and going back to the Yellow Vest Alliance, you know, God love these guys. You know, I think their hearts, oh, yeah. in, their, their hearts in the right place. But if you... If you go over to Italy, there's uh, there's the, the a political party called Five Star Movement, yep. and it was started by a, an Italian comedian, and 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 eventually yep. it made its way to the federal government. They won. They didn't win with the majority, but they still won. Now they their their whole campaign, their whole platform was direct democracy. Um, and the problem is, is that they can't do it. Um, they, they cannot implement a direct democratic system there because essentially they're being watched over. I mean, every move that they make, they're being, um, uh, you know, they're being scrutinized. 
And uh, it's just another uh, another point. Uh, we we've proven another point that you can't are, are they being can't do it. Are they being subverted each step of the way? Or well, I I heard that the 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 leader of of the Five Star Movement uh, actually met with uh, Yellow Vesters in France. He actually had to sneak away from the Secret Service, the Italian Secret Service, so he can meet with these people. So what does that tell you? It tells you that they're they're I heard keeping that it. Too when I was in France. That's right. They told me it was the uh, Italian president. Well, the, the the Italian the Italian yeah the Italian uh, I don't know if he's a prime minister or president but regardless you know GM they have to sneak out they have to sneak away um, because every move that they make is is watched and questioned so oh yeah they told me uh, too there was a group of uh, German there was a group of Germans that wanted to come join them and they wouldn't even let them into the country no. But you're saying that the, that the government of uh, of uh, Italy was stopping uh, the the direct democracy people from implementing things they actually tried to put in place. Or what? Well, well, you see, this, here's the thing, right? I when you see a lot of people, uh, I don't want to call them naive, but it's a totally different kettle of fish when you actually walk into Congress or you walk into Parliament Hill or or wherever you're, uh, you know, uh, whatever building that you, you reside in to, to conduct politics, it's really a di different atmosphere. There's a, there's a different culture. Um, and No, I did that the other day. Uh, I was at my state capitol like, actually trying to just get some help from Congress people with an issue, and they wouldn't stop and talk to any of us, but then they all get out, and there's all these lobbyists that are trying to like pay for bills to be passed, and they get plenty of attention. Right. Yeah. So, And even if a politician wanted to do good, okay, they wouldn't last long. They would not last long whatsoever. I, and I don't want to say they would get, you know, offed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they wouldn't be able to to accomplish the goals that they set out to accomplish. That's all I'm saying. True, but I, I, just, I think most of the time, and I, before, I don't think most of our politicians have even tested that because, one, the, the main reason is, is because the, 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 almost every last one of them I would say is not interested in um, actually helping people. They just want to. They just want to spew the rhetoric of we're gonna. We want to help. Oh, we're nice people. We want to do this for you and that for you. And they they tell you all these different things they're gonna. They want to do or they they they're gonna. They, they they like to do or they want to have better for the people. But really, uh, it's not really true. So. I think these people aren't just prevented from it. I, I don't think there's hardly any sincere people that reach a, a decent level of power. Well, you know, it's hard to say. I think uh, most of them probably just say, you know, if you, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, because I, mean, I know in San Francisco, for example, even on the local level, because I've got to know some of the politicians, and I can tell you that a lot of people think they're sincere, but I've talked to them personally and pressed them on issues and tried to see where they would go with it. They're really a bunch of shit. They really are not what they appear to be. And I suspect 
if San Francisco, some of San Francisco's more progressive politicians have that problem, then I think that this is pretty pervasive. The uh, our past congressman, that he was just uh, he was just voted out this last election. When he I, there was this one time that like everyone was ragging on him for because they were asking him about health care, and he went and hid in the women's bathroom until the reporters left. He wouldn't even answer any questions to anybody about stuff. And they're all like that. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty much all. I, I mean, look, I, I would say the percentages. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just I'm just spitballing it, but I would say 85 to 90 percent of politicians that go that get voted in, um, they know how the game is played and they play the game to a T. And then you have then you have the t- the 10 percent that are a little naive that still win, and then they realize after their terms are up that yeah, you know what, there is nothing I can do. It's it's a, it's well, like you, and you could look at it this way too, you know, like even like a shady politician could have a change of heart one day, want to do something good, but after like a couple hundred years, they've perfected the people behind the scenes have perfected it. So no matter who tries to do something good, this is it's never going to work. There's always like a couple hundred people to vote against your thing. I think I think he's right because I think sometimes you see. Uh, like, like we've had uh, a couple of politicians that are sort of. I think they they may have surprised the other people that are in power, like uh, the Kennedys, for example. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they're really ideal human beings or ideal in terms of being people that really wanted all the best changes, but the areas where they did try to do some some good because they had a change of heart compared to you know, their own father or other people that they grew up around, and they actually evolved beyond what uh, what they grew up with. And um, I think uh, in their case, they were the probably, uh, they were people who actually managed to start getting something done because of the fact that they, they had a change of heart later in their career, and nobody saw, and the people that were in power didn't see it coming. Um, so they, they, they tried, to, tried to create some changes. But at the same time, I think their big problem, because people always say, well, you're going to be killed if you do anything. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I definitely think that you better think in terms of, of strategy or read Sun Tzu's Art of War or something like that, because you're going to have to have some defense for yourself if you decide to do something where you're really going to change things, you're going to have to improve the security around yourself. Or, or, or oh, yeah. might. So, so that, that is a fact. But I, I think that the Kennedys probably weren't good enough at increasing the security around themselves at the same time as they were doing things that really were, were, were they were attempting to actually change the course of, of, of society. Well, I think they were on the, I think they were on the right path. I mean, I know John, yeah. John Kennedy wasn't the most honest. I mean, he wasn't an angel by, no, either, by any means, but, but I think Robert F. Kennedy in particular, I think some of the things that he was talking about and it seemed to be trying to do, it, it did seem like he was going in the right direction as far as creating a, a, a more equitable society. That's right. Now, uh, Adam, when you were in France, um, I know there's a lot of problems with the police force, and uh, I've, 
you know, I've lost a lot of respect for them because, the, I mean, at the end of the day, when you take the uniform off, I mean, you're just like those yellow vesters. Um, I mean, w what is the issue right now with, with the, I mean, have the police not seen that this could affect not only them, but their, their kids' future? Uh, have, have they not come to that realization? Well, see, and that's what I was actually talking when we got there the first week. They were telling me, like, oh, there's actually a lot of police that will just call out sick on Saturday. And then there's, like, there's a bunch that have just quit. I know I met a, uh, a retired police officer that pretty much left, uh, took her retirement when that started happening because she, uh, she was just so appalled at the, like, the weapons and, the, you know, the tactics they were using that it was just too much. Especially in Paris, too, it's like a military occupation. There's just cops everywhere. And, uh, you know, I've been to Paris before that, and they always had a lot of police, but uh, nothing like this. You could see whole motorcades going a whole block just full of vans, all just five or six police officers in it. And uh, it's crazy. It's uh, not, nothing like I've ever seen before. I think uh, I, I think the problem is, is that a lot. You know, he's is right though. There are people because I remember reading some articles from from uh, last year, and um, where some police were actually, uh, you know, uh, they were worried about police coming over to the yellow vest because, you know, they were oh, they they were giving them too much overtime. They weren't paying them properly and stuff like that. Yeah. Their rate of suicides in their police is, like, super high, too, right now, I heard. Yeah. Well, see, that's the same thing as with American soldiers committing all these suicides. And the sad part of it is the cops that are the ones committing suicides are probably the ones that are actually ethically better than the ones that don't want to commit suicide. Because the ones that don't want to commit suicide have no conscience. And, and, and the ones that have a conscience, just like American soldiers that have a conscience when they come back, they're the ones that are either uh, have mental, uh, developmental illnesses or commit suicide, and the other ones simply become cops or, or, or continue to abuse people. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs for sure. Um, but I, so here's another reason why... Um, I respect protests, uh, like I was mentioning before, but I just find that it's a perfect place for government to meddle in. And I'll use, uh, and the same thing's happening in France right now, and it happens everywhere. I mean, every anywhere you go, there's a protest. You're always going to find provocateurs. And in fact, here in Canada, there was, uh, there was a protest that happened in Quebec, the province of Quebec, yeah. where they caught two cops dressed in black. They caught two cops that were out there. Put, put it this way: one of the you know, protesters. Somebody else told me about that too. Yeah, two protest. Well, a protester, the 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 guy that was organizing the protest, spotted these guys like a sore thumb, called them out, and he noticed that they were wearing the same attire. They're wearing all black with with these uh, uh, military or cop type boots. Yeah, they had special boots. I think it was. That's right. And later on, they were they were caught and they were charged. So this just goes to prove that they do uh, they do throw in provocateurs to to kind of make the protesters look like they're hoodlums when in fact that they're not they're they're peaceful uh, people. This was happening in France, was it not? 
Yeah, and I actually, uh, I got, I was, I forget where it was, I was made some comment somewhere <clears throat> about the police uh, in a chat with some French people, and they actually corrected me, too. Uh, they said that, because they have, like, different types of police there. There's, like, national police, and there's something called, like, the BAC, and there's, like, the Gendarmer, and uh, I guess, like, in Paris, it's, like, all military police. They're on, like, a salary they don't get paid hourly, so no matter how much they have to be out, they get paid the same amount. So they have please, like thousands of police in the city pretty much just patrolling all day, every day. And uh, my guess is they're just getting pissed because they're not getting paid very much compared to like maybe like the national police in the South who like, at the, ironically, they're probably getting paid more, and it seems like they're less violent than they are in Paris. And, uh, you know, I always had this hypothesis that there was some kind of a parallel, that they're almost, like, trying to agitate the cops, too, so they're, uh, they're harsher on the yellow vest. Um, yeah, I know, it's... it's I... It's really amazing, uh, honestly. You know, you know what I saw that was kind of disturbing? And I'm, I'm sure you guys may have seen this. It was like a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the yellow, yellow vest protests, there was a, um, you know, there was a, a bank that was, uh, you know, uh, some, some fire, fire. It was set, set, set on fire by maybe some of the yellow vest people. I'm not sure who, who did it for sure. I don't want to say. But at the same time, even if it was some yellow vest people that may have attacked banks, because as you know, here in San Francisco, um, during the Vietnam War, we had protesters attack the banks because the banks were responsible for funding a lot of the, uh, the, the you know, the Vietnam War and so forth. Oh, yeah. And, and so uh, banks are sort of legitimate targets in some sense for frustrated uh, uh, protesters, they're actually so, somewhat legitimate uh, as a target. But the point is, here's the point I want to make. Even if the bank was hit by some protesters, you know what, they, it, what it seemed like was going on? It seemed like that bank was allowed to burn to the point where it endangered people in the building. And I remember seeing the emergency vehicle didn't show up. I kept watching. I was thinking, what the hell's wrong with these people? Why aren't they bringing an emergency vehicle in to put out the fire? It was like they dragged it on and on until the fire got more out of control. And then then they made an issue of it and, and acted like, you know, I think they almost let it burn longer so that they would have a big thing against the protesters. All right. No, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. It's it's funny that you mentioned that, Jim, because it happened here at the G G seven or G eight meetings here in Toronto. They spent up to a billion dollars in security, um, so that these uh, leaders can come here um, and schmooze and talk about uh, you know uh, whatever they they were talking about that was so top secret. Um, now it hasn't been proven, but they did set a cop car, a Toronto police force cop car on fire and they let it burn so that uh, the news all the mainstream news channels can catch it film it and then they can justify the billion dollars that they spent on the on the security force that they had there in Toronto um, and they can also prove that yeah you see we, we can't allow these uh, these these people to protest because see this is what happens we have to keep them in line and they still haven't they still haven't proved that it was it was protesters that did it. And in fact, there's there were some 
uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you want to call them rumors or not, but they're saying that it was probably the cops themselves that set the car on fire. So, again, they can justify the billion dollars. Exactly. And it, it gets tricky because while there are, there are sometimes, even if there are some people that become violent, there may be legitimate targets sometimes that are, you know, legit, like there were in the Vietnam War. But the point is, is that, that they'll... They'll use, they'll use that situation or let it get out of control just so they can trash the protesters or have a reason to go after them with the National Guard or the police or whatever. Uh, did you guys see the uh, the bank uh, fire I was talking about? Did you guys? I heard I heard about it. I heard about it. I'm pretty sure I saw that. But, you know, and it's funny, too, because, you know, you can you look at all those sorts of things, and then I notice a trend here that there's, like, states in the U.S. that are passing laws that it's illegal to protest at all. <clears throat> so it's like, I'm, I'm not even completely aware of how often that stuff happens all around America, but I'm sure there, I'm sure there are instances all the time. And, you know, that's the end goal is, like, how do we just make protesting stuff? Right now, Adam, uh, we're going to finish up here. Um, do you want to finish? Do you want to finish up with some last words? Um, just thanks for everything you guys are doing. Um, thanks. Uh, I'm assuming this is going to be live somewhere that people can hear it. So you know, thanks for listening and supporting the movement. Um, it's not, you know, it's for everyone. This is like everybody's time to get their power back. So um, if somebody does happen to watch this, that's just hearing about it for the first time uh take a look around the internet there's plenty of great stuff out there to learn about what what this is and what it could be i think that's the most important part is uh what the yellow vest movement could be and not necessarily what it is right now um you know it's the future like that everybody that cares about a better future coming together and saying we can do it yeah i I totally agree and I, I like to add, add something to that. I think what's really important to the whole the whole yellow vest thing is that we we uh, uh, that we network with them, and that we make this a worldwide thing. Mm-hmm. We help them, and we help ourselves in the process to get rid of the 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 the, the wealthy people's control on all of us. And to get rid of this abusive capitalist system so that we can really push for a real democracy, you know, a direct and a real democracy so that so that we can, you know, because really the, the world has the wealth to wipe poverty out very quickly. We could do it in a very short time if we, if we took, if we wrested the control away from the very wealthy, and we stripped them of the money that and the property they stole from us, and, and we had a direct democracy. We could almost we could almost fix poverty overnight. Yes, oh, yeah. it's the power of the people for sure. People need the voices. So, uh, so Adam, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate this. Um, yeah. And uh, nice we'll, we'll do it again. Nice meeting you, Adam, and uh, you too. And thanks for representing us in France in a way that was, you know, it's like for anybody that that doubts Adam, I think Adam made it very clear. He didn't bring the flag because he's saying the U.S. has a great, is is a great, uh, well, how do you say it, that the government here is, 
anything to honor. He's just trying to say that all of us people in the United uh, States we, yeah, that are we get it. We're awesome too, and we're your friends. <laughs> exactly, and we we we're with you. With we're with the yellow vest. And we hope to be part of it. Yeah, I just want to. I want. I want to finish this last sentiment. I just want to say that uh, all, all around the world, I think the feeling is the same. Um, I think people are not mad with America; they're just really pissed off with the American government, and, uh, and that is so true. Because on the line here, I got two Americans, and they're both in agreement that the American government and even the Canadian government. Is, is very yeah. tyrannical. It doesn't matter what government it is. It doesn't matter what country it is. They're all the same. They are all the same. They don't care for I, the I people. I, I don't know, Nick, I don't know if they're all the same, but m many... Well, there's different levels of it, GM. There's different levels of it. Yes, yes. But, I mean, but we're, we definitely... Uh, United States is one of the countries, together with Israel and Saudi Arabia and, and, and Britain... That's right. We, we, we kind of reign supreme in being the worst. Okay. I agree with that. <laughs> but the people... Yeah, I can't really disagree with that either. Yeah, but the people are great. The American people are great. So we'll leave oh, it yeah. at that. Absolutely. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you for doing this. Nick, thank you. Absolutely. And it's so nice to meet you. And, and thanks for all you the great work. And, and yeah, uh, absolutely. Always good to hear from you. Take care, guys. Good night.